Broadcasting from 10 Hudson Square, also home to WNYC Radio in Soho, New York. Welcome to the Brand on Purpose podcast. I'm Aaron Quitkin, your host. My guest today is Andre Cherney. Andre is co-founder and CEO of Aspiration. Aspiration is an online financial firm focused on ethical and sustainable banking. Andre spent much of his career fighting to make the financial system fairer, eventually leading him to start Aspiration back in 2013. Giving back is a critical part of the company. Aspiration offers socially conscious and sustainable banking services and investment products so customers can make money while making the world a better place. Unlike big banks, they don't use deposits to fund oil pipelines or turn fees into campaign contributions to politicians. Aspiration donates 10% of every dollar they earn to charities devoted towards helping struggling Americans build better lives, making the company the financial industry's leader in giving back with more than 1 million customers today. Prior to founding Aspiration, Andre had a significant political career that took him all the way to the White House. Starting in 1997 as the youngest presidential speechwriter in history for President Clinton, Andre went on to be an advisor to elected officials and business leaders, ranging from President Barack Obama and Vice President Al Gore to executives at Microsoft and Intel. He also served as chairman of the Arizona Democratic Party in 2011 and Arizona Assistant Attorney General and a criminal prosecutor from 2006 to 2009, all in addition to running for Congress in 2012. And as a criminal prosecutor, not surprisingly, Andre focused on financial fraud. In 2006, Andre founded Democracy, a liberal public policy journal and think tank for which he now serves as president. And this ultimately helped create what is now known today as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. He's also a widely respected author, having published two books, The Next Deal, The Future of Public Life and Information Age, and The Candy Bombers, The Untold Story of the Berlin Airlift and America's Finest Hour. And if this isn't enough, Andre is also a Navy Reserve officer from 2003 to 2011. Recently in a Reuters interview, Andre said Aspiration is embarking on its largest ever fundraising round. One source familiar with the plan said that the company is seeking upwards of $200 million, which would value it at more than $1 billion, officially a unicorn. Current investors in Aspiration include Leonardo DiCaprio, Orlando Bloom, and Doc Rivers, among others, in addition to Allen & Company and Social Impact Finance. Andre Cherney, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Thank you for having me. So it's kind of obvious, just looking at your background, given that you've had such an incredible career and trajectory in public service, but what led you to start Aspiration? Why now, or 2013? And what was the inspiration behind Aspiration? <laughs> it certainly didn't feel obvious at the time. Sometimes when you're going through your career, all these different points along the way don't necessarily make sense going forward, but sometimes they do looking backward. And that's certainly been the case for me, which is I have, as you said, done a whole bunch of different things over the course of my life, whether it was in public policy and government or as a prosecutor or working with some of these large businesses and financial institutions. But really the through line of all of that was really around the economic lives of ordinary people and what could be done to make their lives better. And certainly wasn't looking to start a business. It wasn't something where it was between starting Aspiration or starting a dating app or a photo sharing app or something else like that. I really cared about these enormous challenges and 
came to the belief that a financial institution that had these elements at its core, that had a sense of mission and purpose, that had its customers' best interests at heart and that shared their values, could fundamentally move the needle on some of the big challenges that we face in our country today. And so had uh, really an ongoing conversation with a guy named Joe Sandberg, who I've known for, for many years, and sharing our mutual enthusiasm around, around these ideas. And he was somebody who was investing in startups. And, and I decided this is something worth doing. And so I embarked on, uh, on this adventure, of course, not knowing what I was getting myself into. But I guess the best adventures are the kinds where you don't know that going in. And I imagine that there's a lot of transferability and things that you've learned in your life and devoted towards public policy to being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, there's challenges in both kind of states, if you will. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think being an entrepreneur is really about problem solving on an everyday basis, on an hour to hour basis. It's trying to create something out of nothing and doing so with limited resources of time, of people, of, of money. And, and that's the challenge. And that's not dissimilar to a lot of the things that I've done in other parts of my career. And so certainly those are muscles that had to some extent already developed. But really for us, we were pulled along by our mission at Aspiration around thinking about, okay, how do we actually solve problems for people? And if we do solve those problems and do it right, we'll build a really valuable business in many senses of the word. But first and foremost, focus around that customer and how we can actually serve them and do so in a way that is going to be sustainable in all senses. From reading past reports, it sounds like you have firsthand knowledge of what it's like to be that customer, right? I mean, I read somewhere that you grew up in food stamps, you had a kind of economically challenging childhood, and you saw firsthand how hard it is for either if you're unbanked or you're being underserved by your bank. I imagine that had a lot to do with the founding and the the vision that you had and have for Aspiration. Well, absolutely. My parents were and are immigrants. I know you have a, a similar background as well. And like a lot of immigrants, you know, our family and my parents worked and incredibly hard, but struggled economically. I think what that left me with was an understanding of the real economic challenges that so many people face every day and a passion around making a difference there. And so I think we were able to marry those things together in aspiration with a real sense of commitment about how to do things in a way that is more fair and more just, and in a way that is actually going to be accretive to the lives of millions of people. It's to me really a a privilege, and I'm enormously grateful that I get to wake up every day and ask myself and have the rest of our team ask themselves, what can we do today to make people's lives better, to put more money in their pocket, to help make the world a better place by taking a different stance toward how we treat their deposits, how we enable them to make better spending decisions. All of those things together are, again, something for which I'm really grateful to be able to work on. So I'm a big believer in that 
people, especially today, buy from good companies, not necessarily just good products. And what struck me about Aspiration is that you have both. It's a great company and you also have a great product and the product does good. And I'm sorry if I'm misstating these as products, but can you talk a little bit about the 10% give back, pay what is fair, the AIM product or program or service? Because I think those are all very, not only are they creative and unique and innovative and distinctive separate from these big banks, but they're very meaningful and very genuine. They're real. It's not just talk. It's not just vision. It's action. I think that's absolutely right. What we describe ourselves at as aspiration is, is do well and do good. And that's really our way of approaching our work, a way of approaching our company, and way of approaching our products. And so I'll just describe what we do. Our core product, our main product is what we call the aspiration spend and save account. And as the name applies, it's a way to, to spend and save. It's a replacement for your traditional bank checking account. Offers 2% interest, so about 200 times higher interest than what you're getting from an account at one of the big banks. Of course, FDIC insured. Your deposits are fossil fuel free, so as opposed to traditional banks that are taking their customers' deposits and lending them back out to fossil fuel exploration and oil drilling and pipelines to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Your deposits with Aspiration are are fossil fuel free. Cash back rewards on every debit card purchase you make with your Aspiration debit card. So something pretty special for debit cards these days. You'll see some of that on credit cards, but less so on debit cards. Extra rewards for spending at businesses with a conscience. So something that really allows you, again, to both have more money, make more money, save more money, but also make a positive impact in the world. Part of that way that we allow you to get those extra rewards at spending at those socially conscious businesses is through AIM, as you described, the aspiration impact measurement. And what AIM does is really for the first time ever allow you to see your own personal daily sustainability score. How are you doing when it comes to people and the planet? You see your score, you see the score of the different places where you're shopping and the score of other similar businesses. So that means that if I'm making a decision to buy something at Rite Aid or Walgreens or CVS, I can decide not just based on the costs or which one's closest, but based on conscience as well. And see that in real time and see that score and see how I'm doing and then and make spending decisions based on that. And then for those businesses that, that are best of the best, get rewarded for doing so and get an incentive to continue spending at those businesses that are better for their employees, better for the environment. The only fees at Aspiration are what you call pay what is fair. That means there's no overdraft fees, no monthly service fees, no ATM fees. The only fee you'll pay is the fee that you choose And you can choose zero. If you think we deserve zero as a fee for the work we're doing for you and the services we're providing for you, then that probably means we need to be doing a lot better job for you. And the truth is the vast majority of our customers choose to pay, which means they're paying a fee to, in essence, their bank, even though they could be paying zero. And that's pretty, pretty unusual in this day and age. But it speaks to the kind of trust that we're building with with our customers and the relationship that we're building with them. And then we take 10% of what we earn and apply it towards charitable giving. So way in excess of any other financial institution that's similar or out there. And so that really forms 
those elements, the best of the best financial products, fossil fuel free, the rewards for socially conscious spending, the pay what is fair aspect, the 10% to charity, that really forms a really different experience for people and a financial institution that is unlike what's ever been available to people before, really a socially conscious, sustainable consumer financial institution for the first time in history. And and so I think that's something that we've certainly been excited about building, but we're seeing many hundreds of thousands of people every month be really excited about joining. And I'm just kind of laughing. You can't see me laughing because socially conscious and transparent and sustainable typically are not in the same sentence as financial institution. Yeah, well, that's the problem. Uh, that's the problem we're seeking to solve. It should be the case. I mean, that's the that's the thing. Our financial institutions should be the most beloved institutions in the country. If they're doing things right, they're helping you meet your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, right? They're the places that should be about helping you reach that next level in your life and putting your money to good use and investing in your future and the future of your community and and the country. That's what financial institutions should be about. Somewhere along the way, the industry lost its way. And in many cases, what what we're trying to do is put things back on track to create a relationship of trust, of shared values, of us being on the same side of the table and having your back and putting our customers first instead of trying to jack up profits off of them. Those are things that should be expected, but that's not the case. Well, it's not probable. Do you think it's possible that the likes of a Wells Fargo or a Chase or a City can even, at this stage, pivot and become more like Aspiration without having to buy you, obviously? <laughs> well, we're, we're not for sale. I know. I'd like to think so. I mean, uh, part of me would, would like to see that being the case. And... Look, the way I judge our success is not how many millions of people do we have and what does aspiration look like. But frankly, I'll say, okay, we've we've made it as a company. On the day when I look around at everybody else and see that they've changed the way they do business, that they've said, okay, we can't make money based on fees for when when the financial situation is messed up for people when they have an overdraft, when they have a late fee, when they don't have enough to not meet their monthly minimums and have a service fee, ATM fees. But we make money based on really making our customers successful. And I'll I'll look around and say, we're at a point where it's no longer acceptable for financial institutions to take their customers' deposits and lend it back out to big oil companies or lend it back out to gun manufacturers and to the NRA. That's the day we'll be successful. Do I really think that these big financial institutions are going to be able to change the way they do business, given how addicted they are to the kinds of ways they make their incredible profits? I think it's unlikely. I think it's more likely that there's going to be new companies that come up and change the landscape of the financial industry, whether it's Aspiration or or others as well. But for me, what's what's most important is how our customers being treated. And I think that that's That's what we're aiming for is the day when the things we do are seen as industry standard. And it's incredibly comforting to know, I'm sure, and there's going to be more of this, that there are current and future investors and real 
investment companies out there who are willing to put money behind your business model and stay true to their North Star? I think that's true. It hasn't always been an easy road. You can imagine when we first started, as you said, 2012, 2013, and I would go around to some of these investors and And you were 41, say, by the way, not, not necessarily a young man, not a 23-year-old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed guy, right? Yeah, I was, well, I was knocking on the door of 40 and yep. had a career and, or careers and, and done a bunch of things. But I'd walk into these meetings and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a financial institution for everybody and not just for wealthy people. We're going to focus on socially conscious, sustainable financial products at a time that that was still seen as something kind of weird as opposed to where it is today. We're going to let people pay us whatever they want, even if it's zero and trust them to treat us fairly. And then we're going to take 10% of what we earn and give it away to charity. And so it, it made for some short meetings. But look, now we're six years into it and we have a track record and we are able to show, look, you can trust people to pay you fairly if you treat them fairly. People are looking for this kind of approach in financial services. They're not just looking for the bank account that's going to charge them the very highest interest rate and you have to only compete on that front and so on and so forth. They're going to look for something really different. And if you offer something really different, people will want to join and be part of it. And so I think it certainly is a lot easier to tell that story now with uh, four years of active work under our belts than it was when we first started. Yeah. And I imagine that timing is everything. And I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but is it coincidence or is it the Trump bump that you had a surge in customers signing up right around 2016 and through arguably the, the most divisive and times of animus that we've seen, at least in our history? I'd say number one is there is this long-term trend. We've seen the rise of ESG and sustainable investing that's been going on for 15, 20 years. And it was really taking off in 2012 and 2013 and 2014. And, and, and that trend line has continued. You see the rise of conscious consumers, of people who are thinking about uh, values and morals and ethics when it comes to what kind of milk they're going to drink and what kind of eggs they're going to buy and what kind of clothes they're going to wear and what kind of car they're going to drive and what kind of coffee they're going to drink and what kind of cup they're going to drink it in. And that was happening long before 2016 as well. And those consumers, especially people under 40, but, but even those a little bit older, are, have very different patterns when it comes to how they live their everyday lives and are now looking for that kind of thing in, financial, in their financial life as well. So all of those things are true. But I'd also say that we have seen since 2016 an acceleration of a lot of that. And I think people are asking themselves the question, what can I do? What can I do to make the world a better place? And so you see that in people showing up to marches and you see that in people talking about where they're going to leave their money and put their money in. And you see that in voting. But the truth is people have, of course, incredible power every two years when they walk into that voting booth. And you know, as somebody who's spent a chunk of my life involved in public service. I believe that very deeply. But the other truth is we as American consumers spend $36 billion a day. Every day, $36 billion. And if we're making spending decisions based on how those companies are treating people and how they're treating the planet, that gives us enormous power every single day, not just on election day. And 
when there's trillions of dollars being put into banks and we're saying we're going to move those deposits into banks that aren't lending money out in ways that destroy the planet, then no matter what happens with the Paris Accords, we have enormous power. If we say we're going to move our money to banks that aren't lending to gun manufacturers, which means that they're funding the NRA as well, then no matter what Congress does around gun safety legislation, then we have enormous power as well. So I think there has been an awakening that has been a long time in coming that didn't just start up in 2016, but that is definitely accelerating every single day. As a marketer, I just have to ask the question, how are you working to get the word out? I do feel like in the last couple of years, there's been an acceleration of marketing and PR, especially advertising. So actually the, the way I found out about Aspiration was old school. I was on a treadmill and I saw mm-hmm. a commercial and I made a note to myself because, you know, we do a lot with purpose-driven brands and we're a purpose-driven agency as well. And we'd like to be a B Corp one day. That's our goal. Uh-huh. And I made a note to myself, I'm like, I got to reach out to this guy at some point. So I'm just wondering what else are you doing to help tell this story? I do think it's an undertold and untold story. And obviously being on an awesome podcast like this helps, <laughs> but uh, what are the other plans, whether it's media spend or social? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, we are trying to tell the story in every way we can. So we've long been on, on social media, both organically and in terms of buying ads on Facebook and, and so on to tell the story. And what we see is people get really excited about it. And that story, I get excited about us as, as a company and what they can do and how we can help make their lives better. And so we'll very often share with our friends and share with their family and neighbors and, and coworkers. And so, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of followers on social media, but those people are really very much evangelists to tell others as well about what we're doing. On radio, we're talking to people in so many different ways. Telling the story, we, we launched a site called movetogreenmoney.com that's about getting people to commit to move their money from fossil fuel banking into fossil fuel free banking, no matter whether they use Aspiration or use a local credit union or whatever else it is. And have you know, animated cartoons on there talking about the importance of this. So really trying to tell that story in so many different ways. But it's interesting, even in this day and age, when we first started ads on television, found that we were breaking through in ways we hadn't before. And so even as much as everybody says how passe television is, it still is one of the important ways people get information and that you can break through to to tell a story that is one that requires people to think a little bit and to ask some deeper questions about what they're doing with their money and how they can be doing it better for themselves and for those around them. So in the scary part about me watching that ad at first, I was like, is this an SNL skit? Because I, I mean that actually as a compliment because I thought it couldn't be real because I've never seen anything like this before. That's, that's, that's the biggest challenge we face. And it really is something that we as a company face on a, on a daily basis the number one question we get from prospective customers who are hesitating about whether to open an account or not is it sounds too good to be true or what's the catch and so on. And I get it, but it depresses me. It means people's expectations have been so beaten down from their bank, from their financial institution that if we're offering a respectful interest rate, we're not taking advantage of them, we're treating them like an actual human being and trusting them, we're not taking their money and 
using it to destroy our planet or to fund uh, guns flooding our streets, that it sounds like it's a joke, (laughs) then, man, we as a country need to be doing a lot better. And so a lot of what we're doing is really about education, about saying, no, you, you can expect more. You should expect more. You need to expect more. And that's a longer term challenge, I think, for all of us. So on that note of education, I imagine that part of the plan will be to, as you aggregate and can prove more investment back into charities and helping people lead better lives, more fulfilled lives, telling that story, right? Quantifying it and doing some good old fashioned storytelling and how that 10% has changed people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's just you know so many stories around that, whether it's a 10% of charity whether it's storytelling and the ability to show our customers and, and others about the impact that it's making on people's lives of having an aspiration account. Look, aside from the charitable impact, aside from that sustainable impact, the fact of the matter is for the average person, switching from a big bank checking account to an aspiration spend and save account will put an extra $545 a year into their pocket. Now, half the country right now can't come up with a $400 emergency expense. If they have a car that's broken down, if their child falls and breaks their arm on the playground and and has to go to the hospital and they're seeing an out-of-pocket cost, they don't have that cushion. So $545 in people's pockets makes an enormous difference, right? I think back to that apartment that I grew up in with my parents and what that would mean for people's lives. There's a lot more that we want to tell people and bring that to life. And there's a lot more to tell people about what Aspiration is doing in terms of, in terms of saving our planet. I think there's one of the things that I think has happened since 2016 and even before is an awakening around the challenge of climate change. I worked for a number of years for Al Gore in the White House and during his campaign. I remember traveling the country and with him talking about this challenge of climate change and global warming. I remember standing there as he's showing charts to audiences in places all over America around CO2 levels in the Antarctic core and people just nodding off and saying, gosh, this is completely irrelevant to my life. And, and that's changed. People get the crisis that we're in. And the truth, though, is A lot of people who are out there who are saying, I'm going to drive a vehicle that's better on gas. I'm going to think about the environment when I decide what to buy in store and and what kind of packaging that I'm going to be looking for and so on. Still think nothing of the fact of I'm going to then pay for that with a Wells Fargo debit card. I think this continuing education challenge around that as well. How do you find purpose in your daily life. So outside of work, I know that the two are completely intertwined. You know, we all have our routines, whether it's to decompress or to give back. I do a lot in the sports community. I do a lot with my temple, do a lot with mentoring and my alma mater at GW and whatnot. I feel better about that than I do even my own company. And I'm very proud of my company, but that's what makes Mm -hmm. me feel good. So what do you do outside of aspiration? I know that a lot of it is all consuming right now, (laughs) but how do you lead a purpose-driven life? And What advice would you have for listeners and how they can lead a more purpose-driven life? I'm sure the people who are listening to your podcast is is, is already a a self-selecting 
group. So I, I probably look to their advice as opposed to give them advice. I, 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 um, self-selecting by group, you mean seven people, but I do appreciate group. <laughs> it's nice. Well, um, it'll be eight because my mom will listen as well. Nice. No, I'm joking. As you said, you have aspiration and building a fast growing company. So that takes up a lot of time and then spend time with my family. I have two young children. But one of the things we really try to do with them is to find opportunities to do service on a regular basis and to do things as a family. And I think that's really important. They're two great kids and I I couldn't be prouder of them, but they're growing up in a very different lifestyle than I grew up in. Certainly we're not uh, anything ostentatious, but we're also not as a family worried about where our next meal is going to come from or whether we're going to pay the rent on our, our, or anything else like that. And so I want them to understand both how fortunate they are, but also the responsibilities we have to each other. And I feel really grateful that they do and that they do care about those things deeply. But I think that's something I really look for in my own life. In this moment of my life is how can I do things with them that help pass on the values that I grew up with to them and for them to be able to live that same sense of purpose as they go forward. Yeah. It's hard because not to quote Dr. Phil, and I'm not sure if I heard it from him, but (laughs) I think he said, you raise adults, you don't raise kids. Mm. And it's hard because, you know, you we're able to give our children financial security, but we also have to give them a sensibility that goes along with it and a commitment to engagement and community. And it's very tough. It only comes with, I think, repetition and a very deliberate choices, even if the, I'm sure you get this. I don't know how old your kids are. Mine are 18 and 15 now, and I still get eye rolls. <laughs> I think it's going to happen forever, but you have to stick with it because they will, yeah. they might not like it, but 10, 15 years from now, they're going to remember what you said. They're going to remember that moment and they might not like it, but you actually just imprinted because you're imprinting every time you engage with them. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. So one last kind of fun question. I read somewhere that you're a big fan like me, of the uh, a bacon, egg, and cheese, or at least a breakfast sandwich. I think it was in Fast Company because you gave a shout out to, I think it was Hamilton, not the show, but the manufacturer of a, some sort of a breakfast sandwich press. That's, by the way, I'm going to go purchase now in the most environmentally sustainable way, of course. Talk a little bit about that, though, because I love breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> How can you not? I need to work out some sort of deal because there's been a, a few people after that interview who've let me know that they bought that. <laughs> but it's... Uh, it is a breakfast sandwich maker. It's the best appliance I ever bought. It's pretty small. They have ones that allow you to make more than one at a time, but we have a, a single serving one and you put your English muffin bottom in. There's another layer and you crack an egg on a little pan and you can put some cheese on top if you'd like. And then you put the other half of the English muffin on top and you close it and it cooks the egg and toasts the English muffin all at the same time. And you slide it out two minutes later and you have a balanced breakfast right there. Love it. <laughs> and, it's, and it's fun to make too. So I, love it. I need to, like I said, work out a deal where I get a percentage. <laughs> and hopefully I can put some sliced avocado in there and that won't like mess it up too much, right? You know, it, everybody has to personalize it their own way. You, you may want to put it on afterwards unless you want it really melted. Probably, probably. So Andre, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to be our guest today. How can our listeners find you? Where can they follow you on social? Where would you prefer they follow you on social? We'd love to hear from them. So I am at Andre Cherney on Twitter, A-N-D-R-E-I-C-H-E-R-N-Y. But uh, first and foremost, hope they'll, they'll go to Ad Aspiration on Twitter and follow us on Facebook. And most of all, 
hope they'll go to aspiration.com or download our Aspiration app and open an account and join us on this journey where we're going to offer them a great financial products and a chance to make the world a better place at the same time. And I think as we build this movement, there's really a huge amount of good we can do. Well, Andre, thank you for all you do. And I wish you only the best for the future of Aspiration. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quicken, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the smooth voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Andrew Kamika, the always on point associate producer Lindsay Han, who touches every aspect of this podcast, and Magic Matt Zikowski, a literal magician who works wonders behind the scenes. Learn more about our show at brandonpurposepod.com and follow our Instagram at the BOP Podcast. Learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com. Mm-hmm.